what I tell upper management about um, ISA and CTPAT trade compliance is it's really your competitive advantage. Welcome to Simply Trade, brought to you by Global Training Center. My name is Lalo, and together with my co-host Andy, we have well over 60 years of combined trade, logistics, and supply chain experience. Along the way, we have seen and witnessed different challenges in trade compliance. We decided to put this show together and call on our friends and colleagues in the business to hang out with us and share their knowledge in all things trade. Thank you for spending some time with us. Enjoy the show. Andy, uh, today's show, we have another guest talking about CTPAT. And before anybody says another CTPAT program, we're not going to talk about the, what everybody believes or, or remembers or thinks of CTPAT. Okay, so we're CTPAT, I guess, as you know, Andy, and uh, many people may know, um, there's kind of two components to it. There's the supply chain security part and then what used to be ISA. So now that's called mm-hmm. CTPAT trade compliance. So, um, so we're going to be hitting on that second part, the, the, the less known part of it. So, Well, and the ISA, for those that are maybe tuning in and don't know what the, this alphabet soup we're talking about is, is importer self-assessment. Um, and that's basically where you're giving to, and help me out here, Lalo, because when we're bringing on our guest today, <laughs> this guy is unbelievable. We both know him. Yes. I've had the absolutely wonderful opportunity to get to work with him for so long. And, uh, so anyway, that said, uh, when we're talking about the importer self-assessment and now the, is, as you talk, talking about the CTPAT program, it's basically where you're giving uh, a commitment to the U.S. government, a.k.a. CBP or Customs Border Protection, that you're going to cross the T's and dot the I's and and be more upfront and have them a part of your compliance program so that you are a good corporate citizen and all those kinds of things. Does that uh, kind of ring true there, Lalo? Yeah, it sounds, it sounds about right. And, um, you know, again, right. you and I always say that we're not here to 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 tell people about the topic. That's why we invited Deep here on our on our on our show because yeah. um, I know he's been doing this for a long time and he's uh, pretty much almost like wanted to commit to this area of of uh, trade compliance. Uh, not not necessarily exclusively, but but he has done a lot of work in this area. And so let's bring him on and let's see what he's got yeah. to say. I guess. Well. Deep, welcome to our show. I'll, I'll tell you that I am really excited, as always, to get to see you, my friend. And it is such, a, you know, you always bring a smile to my face. So. <laughs> Thank you so much, Andy and Lalo. Uh, thanks so much for having me. I'm so excited. <laughs> this is going to yeah, be a good discussion. So we're going to get to tap your expertise here, my friend. Yeah, and I feel a little left out because I never worked for the purple, so... yes um uh uh, in the spirit of full disclosure um andy and i were colleagues for uh, over a dozen years uh, Mm -hmm. at fedex Uh, it was a a great joy working with andy oh listen he's he's being kind listen i would uh i could screw up a two-car parade and deep would come in and save the day okay listen we're going to get into uh, talking about the CTPAT program. So, you know, Deep, you obviously have a strong ex- expertise and you help a lot of uh, uh, clients, I'm sure, and, and people in general. I know you've talked on this topic for uh, quite some time. 
what just open us up just in general as far as the ctpat program and more specifically what we're going to get into of what a uh, importing company should be doing with this program you know um andy uh, uh, as we're recording this uh, it's the 21st anniversary of uh, 9-11 yes you know the tragedy uh, that affected our country right and uh, back then customs actually uh, totally um changed itself. It became part of the Department of Homeland Security. It yep. merged with border control. And it was spending all its efforts on cargo security. And uh, trade compliance kind of fell by the wayside. And um, in 2002, Customs first announced the Importer Self-Assessment Program, ISA. It's been around 21 years. That, wow. in a sense really is what I call the green channel for frequent flyers. You know, <laughs> whenever you pass immigration, you see a green channel and a red channel. What do you do? Uh, you know, if you're like me, you make direct eye contact, smile and <laughs> greet the officer and go through the green channel, right? <laughs> so the, the ISA is pretty much like that, where customs is giving reputable importers the opportunity of um, fewer inspections, and trusting them. But in return, companies need to say that, yes, we've got good controls over our customs processes and, uh, you know, we uh, are low risk for customs. So um, it's been around for a long time. It um, kind of um, about had about 400 to 500 members. Uh, uh, there was a lot of wow. that you should not let the fox in the hen house and get so close to customs, which I disagree with. I think mm -hmm. it's a great partnership. But the last few years, this program was in abeyance. And that's because customs was trying to combine CTPAT, which is cargo security, with ISA. And last month, uh, in August, they finally announced that uh, the ISA is rechristened as CTPAT Trade Compliance, and it's open to new members. Oh, that's so this great. Is a great yeah, that's for great. companies to join. Well, let, let, you know, you touched on something where there, there's a, uh, a group of uh, people, shall we say, or whatever. Just the general sentiment is uh, you don't uh, want to, as you were saying, let the fox into the hen house. It, it kind of illustrates it's not, you know, looking at the government as the fox, but it's it's more of a scenario where uh, dealing with the government has been in days gone by somewhat adversarial, and it's almost you know they're on one side of the table, you're on the other, they come in and, and look at it. Versus, hey, let's do a partnership uh, with the government with uh, CBP in this uh, particular case and or other government agencies, but in CBP is the one driving this where you're trying to be, again, more upfront, a good corporate citizen, and that, that uh, aligning with each other. So you come up with a win-win solution of satisfying what the government's trying to do, which is not letting anything that it would uh, harm people, if you will, or be uh, uh, detrimental to people and or the economy. And two, that the appropriate duties and taxes are assessed and collected. And so aligning with cus uh, customs in this case 
and your own company and what you're striving to do, hopefully you can come up with a win-win with the CTPAC compliance program. Would you agree with that, uh, Deep? Absolutely, Andy. And I hope, uh, you know, more importers think the way you do. Um, what I've told um, clients is, um, uh, you know, when you let customs in, uh, there's, uh, you know, obviously uh, mutual trust. And customs has said yeah. that uh, based on your ISA application, which is now CTPAT trade compliance, it's, it's quite a mouthful. We've uh, come up with an acronym. Uh, you know, they're not going to immediately call up regulatory audit and say, you know, issue some penalties. This custom, this customer is in, uh, this company is in a bad shape. So um, obviously you don't want to apply for CTPAT trade compliance, formerly known as ISA, unless you have your ducks in a row, unless you've done an evaluation and you've generally got all the best practices of reasonable care and, you know, a written manual, uh, a system where, you know, um, you're capturing all the correct duties and taxes, you're doing some sort of internal audits, and then you can go to customs and say, you know, we think we're ready. So, um, well, there is, to your point, Deep, is that there are some fundamental things that before somebody decides to step into uh, the, the trade compliance program here, is there are some fundamental things that you should, as a company, make sure are in place. So if you're an executive with a company, this is, you know, why are our goods always constantly getting held up? It's like, well, you need to... Uh, streamline some processes, but you, you may need to take a look. And so as an executive, ask the questions of your sourcing, of your compliance, of your logistics and or transportation, and even your legal department and possibly your IT and pull them together into one meeting and say, let's talk about this. Yeah. And, and, and that's right, Andy, before anybody decides to join the ISA program, always do a it doesn't need to be a full-blown audit, but do a quick audit. Yeah. So uh, almost like um, the first phase of a customs audit, the pre-assessment survey. So you can quickly check if you're generally in the top end uh, of compliance and if there's any major risk areas so you can fix that before you apply for ISA. So let me then, stop um, right there for I was going to ask you a question, nigger Lalo, to you. No, no. Uh, oh, to me. Go your, ahead. Yeah, yeah. To you is in your company – um, do you have some uh, programs that are uh, associated with, you know, maybe preparing for an ISA audit where now would be CTPAT trade compliance audit, like a self-audit of some kind? Well, we do. Actually, um, what happens with us is that we do have our importing class and then we also have a, an advanced importing class. That advanced importing class is specifically for audits. It's specifically uh, for that purpose, you know, and we just go in a full day in there and and mm -hmm. uh, it's a heads down, you know, textbook. Uh, let's let's figure out what would um, trigger or how to prepare for an audit more, more than anything. So, yeah, that that's that's exactly right. And then that's what I was going to get at as well. And I was going to ask deep. Um, we all need to be prepared for an audit. I mean, obviously, we're, we're, you know, eventually or it's inevitable sometimes, I guess, that, that you may get audited, even if it's just an invoice, right? I mean, not, and not your whole, you know, not, not a whole bunch of entries, but um, so who, 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 who is eligible for this program? Uh, so uh, great question. So, uh, you know, let's just step back a second and look at CTPAT, the program. Sure. Uh, Customs Trade Partnership Against Terrorism. You know, there's different aspects of 
different types of importers who are eligible to join CTPAT. Could be companies, could be freight forwarders, could be carriers, right? Uh, and um, in deciding whether I should even join CTPAT, uh, you know, we ask whether international is a regular part of your business. You know, if you're importing um, and, and that's more than 25% of your business, then I'd say, yeah, consider joining CTPAT. Now, ISA, which is now CTPAT Trade Compliance, is only open to CTPAT companies mm -hmm. that have been around for the last two years. So first, you've got to join CTPAT. Now, if you're a CTPAT importer, then you ask yourself, is this CTPAT trade compliance? Or I keep, I, I'm kind of partial to the word I say, uh, a good fit for me. And what I say is, yes, if you have any risk of a customs audit <clears throat> known as a focused assessment. Because... Um, one of the big benefits of this um, trade compliance program, CTPAT trade compliance, is that you're taken out of the focused assessment pool, which means no regular customs audits. You will still be subject to single issue, uh, you know, audits on some, some minor issues if it comes up, but you'll be taken out of the audit pool. So if you think as an importer, you're in the audit pool, which is usually the bigger importers. If you're importing more than 30 million a year. Okay, you're in the top, uh, you know, 9,000 importers. If you're importing more than 100 million a year, for sure, uh, one of these days you're going to get a call from customs <laughs> saying, you know, guess what? We randomly picked you. Why? Because you have deep pockets and, you know, you're a big importer. So for those companies that import more than, I'd say, 30 million a year, definitely over 100 million a year, please join ISA. So, you can come out of the audit pool. And even if customs doesn't think you're good enough to join uh, ISA, uh, they will, uh, you know, give you a lot of um, corrective action. And that by itself is great for your business and good business practices. All right, Deep, with that, though, let, let's, let me delineate something here where there is a difference of becoming a CTPAT member and becoming a CTPAT trade compliance um, com designated company. So becoming a CTPAT member is basically where you are saying, Customs, I'm going to partner with you to do what we need to do on taking actions uh, against any type of terrorism threat or attack uh, against the U.S., and so becoming a member like that, that means that you're going to be uh, showing due diligence and doing the denied party screening and ensuring that your transactions are appropriate. Or if you see anything that's within that you would think um, raises some concern, you will raise that red flag up with customs and say, just letting you know. So you, that CTPAT member is you as a company, you were going to do what you can to keep customs informed if anybody in your company uh, becomes aware of something that could be considered a, a potential problem. That's right. And let me just clarify further. In order to join CTPAT trade compliance, you need to have been a CTPAT tier two or tier three member. And CTPAT has three tiers. Once you become a member, you're tier one. Once you're validated, which mm -hmm. is customs friendly mm -hmm. visit, mm -hmm. 
<laughs> then your tier two. And tier three means you have best in class practices. So if you're tier two and tier three, you are eligible to join the trade compliance piece, formerly known as ISA. Right. So okay, Deep, good. is this, um, Go I was going to say real quick, Deep. So is this, um, I understood, you know, from the reasoning behind doing CTPAT trade compliance within CTPAT, um, clarify this, I guess, if, if I'm wrong, is that, um, because we wanted a half mutual recognition with other countries um, on the on these programs, uh, I guess other countries like the um, um, the um, AEOs um, were saying for Europe, yeah, 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 you're 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 falling short on the trade compliance piece. Is is that true? Is that why mostly this was added to CTPAD, or am I on the right track there? Or? Absolutely. So 21 years ago, when customs created CTPAT, at the same time, almost in parallel, or maybe inspired by the US, the World Customs Organization, uh, you know, talked about um, trusted trader programs. Mm -hmm. And uh, the European Union came up with the AEO program, Authorized Economic Operators. So they took a lot of the CTPAT uh, you know, parameters of cargo security, but they also added customs compliance. So I think what the United States government and uh, uh, customs uh, has done really is align our CTPAD program and take it to the next level by incorporating trade compliance in it as well. Mm -hmm. So now we are in line with the World Customs Organization best practices. Uh, so here we are today, and, and it's actually... It's got a lot of good momentum. So if you're really, you know, uh, I guess the benefits, one of them uh, would be a more streamlined process for your importations, um, provided that, you know, you're crossing T's dot in the I's and, and whatnot, and your goods should be moving through. So if you're, if you have any goods that are getting held up, even resolving the issues in general, you should be able as a CTPAT trade compliance person and the resources that are respected and provided to you from the government, you should be able to resolve some of those issues pretty quick. With that, that's some of the benefits. What about the downsides? What about... I was going to say that too, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it, it's just yeah, going like, this must cost <laughs> you a fortune, right? Not really. You know, Andy, it, it's funny. Um let me just talk about the benefits for a second. And I was thinking about telling you something and then you talked about the downside. And um, so, you know, I've seen customers go through audits yeah. and I can tell you it's really injurious to your health. You know, mm -hmm. I've had customers uh, after the audit or during the audit take time off because they've mm -hmm. developed blood pressure. Uh, somebody has developed a heart disease, you know, and, and that's all uh, brought on a lot by of stress. stress. Yes, yes, yes. And uh, guess what's, guess what's going to happen when your company gets um, uh, selected for an audit um, is, is your all fingers are pointing at you, right? Mm. So, <laughs> so what I say is one reason to join this trade compliance component uh, is really to get better sleep at night. Imagine, uh, you know, all, all of you uh, have pretty swanky home offices and, uh, you, know, uh, you know, the home office deduction is a red flag. I've never had an IRS tax audit, but this is like 
a tax audit on the customs side. Mm -hmm. If customs gave you an option that, well, if you are a compliant individual, you have an option to join this program, wouldn't you try to be compliant and then apply to this program? It's like a get out of uh, jail free card. So uh, what are the downsides? Okay. The downside could be that when you go to your uh, 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 CEO and say, I've got this great idea. You know, um, uh, <laughs> you know, there's we've this got thing this called, high yeah, the CT pad trade <laughs> compliance. It's really sexy. It's really cool, man. It's like, yeah, you really want it, right? Yeah. And <laughs> guess what? Uh, now you're going to be managing this program. And okay, you know, let's see you uh, become an ISA member, CT pad trade compliance, uh, in uh, three months. So that could be one downside, honestly. The other downside is finally, you're going to be pushed to take on the mantle of creating a compliant organization and you don't know where to start. You will not get cooperation from purchasing, engineering, quality, legal, finance. So those are all the downsides. But, you know, those downsides could have been, um, uh, you know, faced even if you had to create a compliance program to begin with. Right. And... Um, you know, Lalo, I'm sure in the class you teach, uh, you mentioned that customs compliance is everyone's responsibility, oh, yeah. not just the compliance people. Yeah. You know, finance has a role, right. purchasing has a role, uh, you know, so on and so forth. Uh, so uh, what I would say is that if you can get the buy-in, you can do the a very quick, high-level audit, identify issues and fix them, you will be in a good shape uh, for customs to come in during the application review meeting right. and say, okay, I think you're good enough to join ISA. A lot of companies, um, you know, they kind of feel they're not worthy. They say, Deep, I don't think we're ready. And I tell them, you know, I've seen some companies who got in and I, I think I can take you past the finish line. Mm, so, yeah. you know, yeah. be confident. Yeah, so well, we even like to say I, around here, Deep, uh, no, real quick, we like to say around ahead. here that the trade compliance is a responsibility from the C-suite to the C-suite from the custodial all the way up to the CEO. <laughs> that That's the way we like to say it. <laughs> anyway, go uh, ahead. Go ahead, Andy. Well, now here, here's one of the things we've uh, had some discussions in previous shows and this comes up and I think it's very appropriate in this because you, you hit on something where you really need um, support from other areas. It's not just the compliance part of it. And as we're just alluding to here, it's uh, across the board here as far as if you're going to be a compliant company. And and what we're talking about, again, your imports, your exports, your international transactions, things of that nature. With that, one of the things that has been utilized in some larger companies, and it would be, in my opinion, one of uh, a, a strong one for even smaller companies, and that is like a uh, let's just call it a logistics council, a transportation council, an international trade council, where there is the purchasing group is represented, the compliance, obviously, import-export compliance, the uh, logistics, transportations there. Your customer service group is involved. Your IT for sure, but IT more in that in regards to your uh, warehousing systems, your uh, purchase order systems. It may be several folks from the IT, uh, your customer service systems. So your IT involved. Legal, 
needs to be involved in it. You're in uh, and, and other in marketing and in uh, engineering and things of that nature so that you have these trade councils and you talk through different scenarios. Andy, what a great idea. Uh, in fact, I always recommend that, uh, especially my small size companies, mm -hmm. you know, who don't have a large trade compliance team, always develop an international trade council. Exactly as you said, representatives from all the relevant departments, uh, you named most of them, I'll also add engineering R&D mm -hmm. for new product initiation and, uh, and um, customer service. Many times um, people in charge of the RMAs, with, you, know, you can hear them say, yeah, we'll sign a uh, NAFTA certificate or you know, <laughs> just put on $5 value. So no uh, in, addition, uh, <laughs> yeah. in addition, uh, I'd say meet at least every three months. Now, I've actually had a client who they said, Deep, we ran out of things to talk about every three months. I said, no, no, no. You know what you can do as a trade compliance person is give everyone a quick overview of all the changes going on. And there's a lot. Uh, and also talk about certain transactions where maybe you got pushback or resistance or this could be improvement. So, Andy, absolutely. What a great idea. Getting everybody together. We've talked about. A lot of this getting ready yourself. I would recommend of what, you know, Lalo's company having uh, some training and you do your, your own self-assessment, if you will, and go through some things. Okay, fine. Now you're ready for an expert to come in before you go to customs and apply, have some experts come in and actually test and kick the tires on your truck and see, does it work or not? Right. Absolutely. Um, and, you know, you mentioned a great point. Just step back a second. What you mentioned about archiving, you know, customs, when they get your um, CTPAD trade compliance application, uh, they're going to review it, do some background research on you. Mm -hmm. uh, they've obviously got all the data on you mm -hmm. and they'll set up an application review meeting. And that's when they're going to give you a couple of entry numbers and want to do that cradle to grave mm -hmm. saying, can you please pick up, show us mm -hmm. the invoice, the sales contract, proof of payment, a pick and pack, proof of uh, quantity received. And yes. uh, so what you've got to do in customs eyes is to uh, prove that you've got a system of records that demonstrates the accuracy of customs transactions. That's their word. Mm -hmm. They want to see, you know, that you've got a system uh, that there's no revenue loss. So, um, uh, you know, uh, Andy, um, um, as I s uh, highly recommend, they take Lalo's uh, uh, import, second level uh, import audit course. Um, there's also a free resource mm -hmm. um, on my website. I'm, I'm not uh, self-promoting at all. Hey, I'll promote free... it. Uh, Deep, you've got a phenomenal little tool there for people. So go ahead and promote the heck out of it right here. Because this is, folks, if you haven't tried or even looked at this, you need to hit Deep's website. Right. And we will post his website in our show notes. But Deep, go ahead and tell them what you've got there. Thanks. Well, Andy, on the uh, the bottom of my homepage uh, of DSG Global, it's dsgglobal.com. There's a 25 question risk assessment. Mm -hmm. Now, I know a 25 question risk assessment that takes you five minutes appears really flimsy, but at least it gets you thinking and you'll get an automated report mm -hmm. immediately with your trade compliance score. So you can really take it to your management and say, I did this little quiz 
And guess what? We're 40%. So, you know, it at least gives you something to start with before you want to bring in experts for a little more uh, robust analysis. It works as a fantastic tool to uh, engage in discussions with upper management and all. And, and the thing is, you don't want to take that survey, if you will, to try and beat the survey to say, hey, you know, look, we, right. we can come out on top. You got to be really honest. And then when you go through and look at it, here's something else that says, okay, do you have a strong archive uh, for, um, let's just say entries for right now? Um, that's a question. And, you know, and that's one of those where you got, yeah, yeah, kind of maybe sort of, yeah, you, you say, yes, we've got an archive. I wouldn't say if it's a, a really good one or not. Let's say you go to upper management. It's like, wait a minute. Why don't we, I, we, I just spent a, you know, boatload of money on, you know, the, some new system in the past that somebody justified, you know, and let's look at it and say, well, have you ever seen anybody pull data out of it? Cause it's been, you know, you're working hard. Folks, you need to look at your systems and your processes so that those systems and processes are working for you, not you for those systems. And there's a lot of times that there's, it's too archaic. So our IT people say, yeah, we've stored it. We've stored it efficiently. It's like, great, but you can't get anything out of it. It's like, come on now. <laughs> so that's the thing that with your tool, I will say it is wonderful to be able to at least get the conversation going and it will spark where you need maybe some expertise to come in and along uh, alongside you to say, we need some help specifically in this area, not across the board, just in this one area. Right. right. Anyway. Sounds great. Uh yeah. I guess with that also um, we're, um, we're, we're kind of uh, reaching here the end of our time, but uh, deep, do you have any final words? And also, Another thing we've added to the show that we like to ask our guests, I mean, if you're, if you want to, that's fine. I mean, if you don't, if you're not ready for this, that's fine. But we always ask them for a, um, obviously any closing, uh, um, re comments that you might want to make. And then secondly, do you have like a quick one minute best practices tip that you want to give, um, you know, the audience about whatever trade compliance, you know, that, that you might think is, is a really good idea. So, but anyway, go ahead and then we'll wrap up with that. Wow. Um, so, uh, uh, you know, Lalo, this wasn't rehearsed. So no, I, I, I just hearing <laughs> a, a question now. You know, um, what, what I would really say is for um, uh, upper management, uh, you know, we've seen that companies that do international trade, uh, they're in business longer, they're more profitable, and they pay their employees more, you know. Uh, but companies are very scared of, don't let this happen to you and customs audits. And, you know, they don't know what they don't know about going overseas. And many of them try to stay domestic. So I would really say, send your people to training, uh, explore new markets. At the same time, uh, you know, I just saw a recent study published by McKinsey that talked about the latest emerging and foundational technologies. And guess what? Uh, a lot of that is controlled by the BIS, which has huge penalties. So knowledge is really power uh, in international trade. So uh, please uh, continue to uh, disseminate the great training, uh, Andy and Lalo, that you all offer. And, uh, you know, you're really helping the country uh, and its economic <laughs> recovery. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Deep. 
Listen, it has been a pleasure, my friend. Once again, you just, you know, it's always great. I love talking with you. You're, you're so knowledgeable and you're just, and you're just one of those guys I just love hanging out with. You're a good guy. <laughs> yes, Same here, Andy and Lalo. Uh, thanks for having me on today. Sure. You're yeah. doing such a great job. I'm just loving all the episodes. Oh, oh great. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, thank you have you. a good afternoon and uh, we'll talk to you soon. <laughs> Thank you very much for joining us. Simply Trade is brought to you by the generous contributions of Global Training Center. You can follow the show and GTC on LinkedIn or Twitter and other social networks. Make sure you check out the show notes in the description for a full rundown of today's show with all the important links. Also, make sure that you share this with a friend and subscribe on your favorite streaming platform. We really like hearing from you. If you enjoyed the show, make sure to rate and review wherever you listen to this podcast. If you or someone you know would like to be a guest in the show or would like to sponsor Simply Trade or suggest any topic you would like for us to discuss, please contact us via email at simplytrade at globaltrainingcenter.com or you can DM us on Twitter at simplytradepod. Thank you again for the privilege of your time. Happy trading. Simply Trade is not a law firm or an advisor. The topics and discussions conducted by Simply Trade hosts and guests should not be considered and is not intended to substitute legal advice. You should seek appropriate counsel for your own situations. These conversations and information are directed towards listeners in the United States for informational, educational, and entertainment purposes only and should not be substituted for legal advice. No listener or viewer of this podcast should act or refrain from acting on the basis of information on this podcast without first seeking legal advice from counsel. Information on this podcast may not be up to date depending on the time of publishing and the time of viewership. The content of this posting is provided as is. No representations are made that the content is error-free. The views expressed in or through this podcast are those of the individual speakers, not those of their respective employers or Global Training Center as a whole. All liability with respect to actions taken or not taken based on the contents of this podcast are hereby expressly disclaimed.